and welcome back to the Across the Pod NFL podcast. It's time for another team season preview and this time it's a turn of the Atlanta Falcons. With me, I've got a returning guest who's on for last season's season preview of the Falcons. With me today is Rob Monk. How are you, mate? How are things? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Andy. Thanks for inviting me on. It was good to... Uh, I know when I did a pod, you'd been on that and I've been on yours and finally got to meet you in person um, in July, so that was good. Yeah, it was it was nice to um, nice to finally meet you in person. I mean, there's a few people who have been on the podcast before that I I have met in person, and even at that event, there were quite a few like Dan and Lewis, or I'd not never met in person. So yeah, it was nice to um yeah nice to finally meet you. Yeah, it was a long few days, but yeah, good fun. <laughs> yeah, um, and how how was your obviously we met at the fantasy football um event. How was your team? And how did your team go in the end? Your overall fantasy team that you picked how was it um what for the for the actual event one yeah yeah the one you're doing the live draft you were doing uh oh the live draft for scott fishball yeah that's right yeah um so i was pretty happy with how my scott fishball live draft actually ended but um so there's this website where they're like compile all the data and rank everyone and I was ranked something like 3,000 out of 3,300 so um, but I don't mind that you know I'm quite happy with how my team's gone um, you know I'm not too happy with I took a few risks at quarterback but you know beyond that I'm pretty happy with how my team looks so we'll just you know it's, it's just a bit of fun and we'll see how it goes. How did you find out your your rankings I've never seen that I never knew that was available to find out where you are in Scott Fishbowl. Was it like on, on online or something? Uh, yeah, I can't actually remember exactly where I found it. You're in the Scott Fishbowl, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just, yeah, I was unaware you could do that. I, I'd like to see where, where, where they predict me to rank. That'd be quite, um, quite interesting to find out. Um, I'll try and find it for you. It was in the SFB UK chat. On Twitter, oh, but there's messages every day that. Oh, um, uh, is it? Uh, is it the SBF UK UK entrance? Yeah, somewhere like that. But it was quite a while ago, so it's probably way up. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a new message in the group chat and I'll see if we can find by the end of this episode um, where I rank. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when it was, but. It, um. Yeah, I mean, for me, it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, I don't think I was ranked that highly uh, last year, but I managed to get to, I think, the third or fourth bracket of the playoffs. So That's I was pretty good. happy with that. That is good. Um, right, let's head on to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so the main ins and outs uh, in terms of free agency in the draft um, in the main outs include the likes of Casey Hayward, Chris Lindstrom, Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, Caderell Hodge, Nicole Pruitt and Demir Bird, um, as well as the ins, including Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree, Jeff Akuda via a trade with the Detroit Lions, Scotty Miller, Matt Collins, Eddie Goldman, Taylor Heineke, Johnny Smith, and Jesse Bates, as well as um, drafting the likes of Bijan Robinson, eighth overall, the running back, the highly touted running back from Texas, as well as offensive tackle Matthew Bergeron, 38th overall from Syracuse. And a defensive end Zach Harrison going seventy fifth overall. So over you overall for you, Rob. Your thoughts on your team's off season as a whole? Um, well, yeah, I think it's been quite decent to be honest. On there, you've got um, Chris Lindstrom 
has been an out. Um, but we actually gave him a big extension this year. Um, so Lindstrom had a had a great season last year at uh, at right guard and got paid for it as well. Um, and Eddie Goldman, we actually signed him last year and then put him on the reserve retired list. And then he decided to come back, but then didn't turn up for training and has retired again. So, um, but yeah, I mean, on, on the whole, this roster is over the last three, four, five, six. I mean, it started to go pretty rapidly downhill after the, the Super Bowl really in 2016 um, and cap hell and everything else that hit. And the way that um, the front office have, have gone about the business and getting us out of, out of cap hell with, you know, veteran one year deals. And now I think you can start to see the way that they're trying to put a roster together for the future as well and do it quite methodically. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with, how the roster looks. I've got a little bit of off-season optimism, which quickly wears away after the first couple of weeks, but right now I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> and of course, lots of optimism surrounding the Falcons and the off-season in terms of your future at the running back position. B. John Robinson was by far the highly, the highest rated running back we've had in recent years, probably since, probably since Saquon Barkley. Um, and he's come in, you know, eighth overall, a lot of hype around him, a lot, mentioned fancy before, a lot of people having him in their first three or four picks of the overall draft, especially in, you know, keeper leagues and all that, and dynasty leagues, and a lot of hype, and he, he comes in with a lot of expectation. Now, of course, there's been a lot of chatter about the running back position with the likes of Josh Jacobs and St. Paul Barkley, the biggest sort of talking points in the off-season about the value of the position and the fact they're getting underpaid or they feel they're getting underpaid um, and the fact that owners are probably thinking they can win without overpaying for a running back. But of course, he's coming on on a rookie deal, so you haven't got that concern for a few years about B. John Robinson. But just what was your view on the draft taken? Because you already had Tyler Algier, who did well in 2022. What was your take on drafting him, firstly so high, but also taking him when you already had Algier? Yeah, I mean, it's it's attracted quite a lot of attention in the media and, you know, drafting a running back high. I'm sort of... You know, with running backs, it's a difficult position. You look at the likes of Saquon Barkley and the injuries that he's had and how that sort of had potentially big impacts on how the Giants have not performed. And having a stud running back can make the difference. The problem is they get battered and the lifespan of the players is is quite low. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of on the train of you you don't want to pay high for your running back. Um and I think, you know, getting somebody like Bijan Robinson in on a rookie contract and after five seasons, you know, potentially then you may look to move on. I mean, you look at Elliot. You've mentioned Elliot. I mean, he's only twenty eight, is it? Something like that. So you can see how he was seen as one of the premier running backs a few seasons ago and then the injuries and the way that it's had a toll on his body and and then he's been waiting around for injuries in camps and things to to get another job. So um you do have some which have got more longevity, but I think the nature of the role is due to injuries and the battering that you take that you know I 
I'd feel better about my team not paying big bucks for a running back. Um, but in terms of the Falcons taking him, it sort of made sense. We're a run-heavy team, run-first team. Um, Algier surprised everybody last season when when he got an opportunity to uh, to run the ball some more when the likes of Patterson got injured and he did an absolutely fantastic job. And then when Patterson came back, he was still getting loads of snaps because of the way that he was performing. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that with Bijan Robinson and Algier, they can, you know, work in some form of of tandem, which, which may then help the longevity of, of Robinson. Yeah, I think it's massive because I think it's part of the reason why Nick Chubb has been able to keep doing what he's doing because he's got had some like Kareem Hunt behind him in the, in the pecking order. And I think that on the flip side, you see teams like, well, the Barkley situation a few years ago with the Giants where he was injured quite a lot. There was no one else behind him to really compensate for that. And McCaffrey was the same thing with the 49ers, with the Panthers. And they were sort of seen as the bell cows. Whereas you've seen McCaffrey go to the 49ers where he's not the bell cow. He His reps are a lot more spread out across the rest of the team. And I think as a result, we've seen no real injury that I can remember for Christian McCaffrey at the 49ers and I think that's you know, one thing and also Ezekiel Elliott had injuries and then Tony Pollard's come in and he's had no injuries really since he was a number two so I think these days the way the position is is valued and the way it's going I think you have to have that second back who can come in and you know alternate snaps every now and again and it really shows just how little's valued because I'm going to show you now the looking at the value of contracts and running backs compared to wide receivers. So McCaffrey's obviously number one with 64 million uh, and then McC- uh, Kamara, uh, Derek Henry and Nick Chubb were earning over $36 million. I mean, Henry's on $50 million. Alfred Kamara's contracts were 75 and then Ara Jones is fifth with $23 million. And to put that into perspective, so the running, the wide receivers have had more, have got more worth in their contract than Aaron Jones, who's the fifth highest paid running back, includes Kobe Myers, Hunter Renfro, Tim Patrick, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, an aging John Dre Hopkins, Adam Thielen, Zay Jones, and even Cedric Wilson's only a million or two behind Aaron Jones. Um, so that just shows for me just how the position is now valued and how this, all these running backs are getting paid. And I think that for you guys, I think it's really important because B. John Robinson on a rookie deal is going to probably light it up. He's going to, if he's doing, if he does what everyone thinks he's going to do, he's likely to, you know, have three or four great years on his rookie deal. And then what happens then? And I think if you've got someone like Algier to preserve his health, I think that will make it easier to pay him. And I think it's, so I think right now you guys have got it good whilst on a rookie deal. But I'm, I'm just intrigued what it's going to do when it gets to four years' time and he has excelled in the NFL. And then what you do about paying him? Yeah, I mean, I actually saw something a few years ago, which I'm just trying to find quickly now, but I can't seem to find it. But it was um, basically the contracts of the running backs on Super Bowl winning teams. And generally, you don't find that they've got a stud or highly paid running back. And that's why I'm sort of on that train as well, that, for two reasons, you look at everybody else that's winning Super Bowls, and generally they're not carrying a, a cowbell, highly paid running back. Generally, and secondly, like I've said, with you know, you look at 
Saquon Barkley is one example. You look at Jonathan Taylor as another. If you're relying so heavily on them and then they go down injured, then it can literally cost you. And especially when the more you run the football, the more that you're relying on your running backs. And if you've just got one cowbell running back and he goes down, that could literally cripple your season. But then on the flip side, you look at like Elliot at the Cowboys and and as you've said, Tony Pollard. And when he has come in deputized for him over the last couple of seasons, I've been looking at Tony Pollard thinking he's better than Elliot. He's not playing as many snaps, but his averages are, you know, his rush per carry is higher. Um, all his averages are higher. And did they probably need to lean on Elliot as much as they did? Maybe not when they've got Tony Pollard there, but he saw limited opportunities when Elliot was fit and healthy, but, you know, he's probably going to reap the rewards of that now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, moving on to the other side of the ball, um, as well as mentioned Desmond Ritter later on, uh, I want to talk to you about the um, addition of Jesse Bates on your defence, obviously the, the big-time defensive back has come in through the Bengals, obviously a bit of a, a, da- um, a bit of a, what's the word, a bit of a downturn for him going from one of the, the favours to win the AFC to um, probably not one of the favours to win the NFC and the Falcons and Obviously, coming into a team that is you know, in the bottom ten in the league for passing yards allowed. Um, so, just how big of a difference do you think he'll make on the defensive side of the ball for your for your team? Uh, definitely, especially you know back there in the safety position. I think you know the last couple of seasons again we've had people come in, people come out. There's been lower to mid range veterans coming in on one and two year deals who haven't really stuck around much. We've got young guys back there as well. So I think finally adding somebody with the pedigree of of Jesse Bates and um, back there will help the secondary immensely. So it's, you know, obviously it is the big free agent sign that the Falcons have made this year. Um, I think it was an area where we did need to improve. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for that one. And of course, another talking point has been this offseason about Desmond Ridder, who is getting his chance to start fully. Uh, came in towards the end of last year uh, when Marcus Marietta wasn't working out, You know, as we saw on the Netflix documentary quarterback. Taken, obviously, a third-round pick in the 2022 NFL draft, of course, did well with Cincinnati during his time in college, especially, I believe, it was either the National Championship or the round before that he got to with, with them. And, you know, he's now got his chance to start. Now, truth be told, no one quite knows what we're going to get from him because he is a small sample size. But what are you expecting out of Desmond Ridder in his first real full season of Offs being the starter for the Falcons? Um, I mean, again, you look in the media and everyone's saying that the Falcons have got a relatively good offence, but the question mark is over Desmond Ridder. And um, there's a lot of places saying that sticking with Desmond Ridder is going to come back and bite the Falcons. And I'm not really pay much attention to that because you know it was a rookie last year we decided that we were going to run with Marcus Mariota and you could see last year the offense was so vanilla it was just it was an offense which was scripted for Mariota to try and I don't want to say limp through the season but try and get through the season the best we could and manage the offense um, more than try and be explosive and I think that that's fine um, 
Desmond Ridder came in for the last four games. We won two, we lost two. I wasn't going to read too much into that. Um, but I think it was a positive because it allowed Desmond Ridder to, to get some experience in the NFL. Um, you know, you look at Ridder and Malik Wilkes and they were projected to go in the first round of the draft and they both fell to the third round. Um, and now everyone's saying that, you know, the Falcons shouldn't have stuck with him. And I know the quarterback class that year wasn't as high as, as his most years um, and probably wasn't the greatest year to to go and get your quarterback. But from my perspective, we spent a third third round pick on him. You know, you look at picks that go first overall that don't work out. Um, so we spent a third round pick on him. He's had one year where he's played four games. I'm happy for him to play this season as our starting quarterback. And then we can always reassess at the end of this year. I mean, this isn't a year where we're going to go and win the Super Bowl or expected to go and win the Super Bowl. You know, depending on where you read, people have got us being the worst team in the league to, you know, potentially get into the wild card round of the playoffs. So, again, I think it's one of those seasons where we know our roster's not complete. Let's see this season. Is Desmond Ridder going to be that guy or not? And I think that's the right decision and the right call. And I'm happy to to go along with that. And I'm hoping that, you know, you can surprise a few people along the way. And then, you know, looking at who he's got to throw to now, he's got Drake London, granted, that'll be his, obviously his first target. But then you've got the next two, Matt Collins and Scotty Miller, and they're, they're not exactly seen as great NFL receivers. And then even Carl Pitts, who hasn't really yet done what was expected of him when he was taken out of Florida um, a few years ago. So does that worry you until terms of Ridder, the fact that if he has only really got London and maybe Pitts to throw to, if he actually fulfills his expectations, does that worry you in terms of his future as a callback? If he has that first year of starting where it doesn't work out, where he's not having anyone to throw to basically apart from London, does that worry you in terms of what might happen for Ridder come next year, 2025, 2026, etc.? No, it doesn't really worry me too much. Um, I completely get what you're saying. Um, but I think there's there's enough in the offence there to make it be a strong, potentially explosive offence. And not forgetting that we are also run first and I think we'll probably run the ball more than the vast majority of teams this season um, we've got Drake London as our main target at wide receiver um, the other wide receivers that he spoke about I actually thought Matt Collins had a brilliant season last year for the Raiders Um sort of came out of nowhere and stepped up in, in injury cover, but he performed. So is he a wide receiver too? Probably not. But, you know, I think there's enough there that you could see some targets. We've got Scotty Miller in who's can be that deep threat. And I actually, sounds strange watching this, I, I, saying this, I actually quite enjoyed seeing Scotty Miller on the field with the Buccaneers. Um, to say that I don't like them very much. Um so I think he'll be okay. There's not an awful lot of depth there, but I think when you factor in that we've got a first-round pick from 
uh, let me try and work this out in my head. Three years ago in, no, two years ago in Drake London, tight end, which was a top 10 pick. Three years ago in Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, we've got Bijan Robinson, who was a top 10 pick this year. You've got Cordell Patterson, who can play running back, wide receiver. Um, I think there's there's enough talent there with Robinson and Algier in the backfield, Cordell Patterson from a receiving aspect, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. There's enough there to to work with, in my mind, even if the rest of the wide receiver depth isn't, you know, especially where you'd, where you'd want it to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, if you told Desmond Ritter, I don't know when you started in college that you're going to go to the NFL, you're going to be a third-round pick, not very fancy, but you're going to have, you know, two, sorry, one first-round receiver, you know, a first-round tight end and a first-round running back. I think, you know, he would be thinking, oh, that's amazing. So I think it's, you know, on paper, the talent's there and there's a reason why these players were taken in the first round and in the top 10 in the case of Carl Pitts and... Um, Bijan Robinson. So I think, yeah, I think if you can unleash your potential, I think everyone knows everyone knows London's potential. Everyone's seen him produce it in uh, in the NFL already. Carl Pitch, you know, you know the talent say he just needs to do it on a more consistent basis. So if he can get that right and Bijan Robinson becomes the running back that we all think he's gonna be, then I think it's it's very exciting for Falcons fans, and especially in a division where it's not exactly got the best teams around it. I think, you know, it should be a very exciting time to be a to be a Falcons fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, and as I said at the start as well, this roster is still work in progress. It's still being churned from the cap hell era that we've had. So, you know, I think when you look at this year and and the state of the NFC South, and I know that, you know, I don't think any Falcons, Bucks, Saints or Panthers fan will disagree that the quality isn't there this year that much in the NFC South. But I think they probably all disagree and all say that they're the strongest team in that division. Um, and I think this does give us an opportunity this year to, you know, is Desmond Ridder the guy? All right, we've not got an awful lot of depth fat wide receiver, um, but we're looking at the teams around us. We think that's okay. We think we can compete for the NFC South. We're not expected to get deep in the playoffs anyway. So, yeah, let's just, Let's just see how it goes. And personally, I think there is enough talent there for this offense to do something this year. And then before we go into your win-loss tie segment, um, you mentioned realizing potential on the other side of the ball. One of your incomings this year, I mentioned before, was Jeff Akuda, um, who was a uh, the third overall pick or fourth overall pick, I believe, was in twenty twenty to the Lions. It hasn't worked out yet. In his three years in the NFL, he's had two interceptions and ten passes defended, which it's not a great a great stat for a cornerback, you know. Going into obviously that's the reason why he got traded from the Lions in the first place. So, do you think he can realize his potential? Because there's obviously the, again going back to the same thing with your offensive t- uh, players. There's a reason why he was taken in the in the first first round and top ten and even the top five like he was. So yeah, the, and obviously he's down as your your right sided cornerback at the moment on the ESPN depth chart. So what are you betting out of him and can you see him becoming a player that the Lions thought they were going to get in 2020? Um, will he? I don't know. Um, 
you see it all the time, don't you? We've spoken about quarterbacks that get drafted first, second, third overall, and then they just can't cut it in the NFL. And it's the same for other positions. Um, you know, you can get a gem at the back end of the draft who has a, a better career than somebody taken in the top 10. But they were taken in the top 10 because they do have something. Whether they can apply that in the NFL is another thing. However, I am super excited about Jeff Okuda coming in. Um, he's coming in as our right side of cornerback, our second cornerback on the depth chart. And it's another position now where we've got AJ Terrell first round pick and we've got Jeff Okuda first round pick. Will it work out? That's anybody's guess, but I think for a fifth round pick in the trade, it's zero risk, high upside. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, right now we should be going for. If it works out, then that's going to be an absolute steal. If it doesn't, it costs us a fifth round pick. Now to our final segment of the episode, which is going to be our win-loss-tie section, which every fan predicts their team's record by going through each game and answering with a win-loss-tie prediction. So, Rob, of course, you came on last year. Do you remember what your prediction was last year? Because the record was 7 and um, seven and 10. The record was last year for the Falcons. Do you remember what yours was at all, your prediction from last year? No. I'm guessing you're going to tell me what it was, though. Yeah. Five and twelve, <laughs> so not too far off, not too far off, but yeah, but did better than you think by that by looking at that prediction. They outbid your expectations going into that year last year. Yeah, well, uh, it's a little bit different this year, so we'll see. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So this season starts off in week one at home to the Carolina Panthers. So. Yeah, when I've looked at the division, I've sort of copped out on this. So I've I've split all the games in the division because I just don't know which way it's going to go because I don't think there's any particular brilliant team. So for the purposes of this, with it being at home, I'm going to say win. Okay. And then week two is at home again, uh, but this time against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I've got a win for that one as well. I think, you know, they had a... Bad year last year. They've lost Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't think they're going to have a great season. So I've got us down for a win with that. And then week three, the Jeff Okuda Bowl is taking place in Detroit <laughs> against the Lions. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Lions have come on so well. So well the last couple of seasons. So fortunately, I've got a loss for that one. Okay, so in week four, um, you're on the road. I say on the road. You're in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep, I will be there. I think I'm going to have to say a loss for that okay, one. As I was well. expecting a win with that one. I was expecting you to um to go for the jugular and go for the win. No, I'd, I'd, obviously I'd love it while I'm there in Wembley, but uh, it's almost like the Jacksonville's second home. So and again, they're a they're a good team as well. So. Okay, and then you return to Atlanta in week five as you take on the Houston Texans. Uh, win. Okay, and then week six is another home game, but this time against the Washington Commanders. Win. And then week seven, you're on the road. Um, the the third and gold derby, you should say, uh, against Dan's Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, I was just realising if I split all the divisional games at home, we're going to have like a 100% home record. So uh, for this one with the books, I'll say we... Oh, no, it is. No, it is away. So, no, in fact, I'm going to say win on this one while we're away. So then moving on to week eight on the road again, but this time against the Tennessee Titans. Win. Okay, so that means you're six and two going into week nine which is against the Minnesota Vikings at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to actually be there for this one. So, um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember you saying you were going to go. It's your first time, isn't it, going to be in Atlanta? It is, yeah. But uh, I think the Vikings will be too strong for us. So go loss on that one. Okay, so then week 10 is a road game. I believe you're going to this one as well, if I'm right in saying it, in Arizona against the Cardinals. No, I'm not. I was... We would one of my friends is a Cardinals fan and we were speaking about it, but uh, no, it's not worked out. So I won't be there for this one, but I think we'll win it. Okay. And then, then week 11 is your bye week. So week 12 is a home game against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Put us down for a loss. Okay. So then week 13, um, December the 3rd is away to the New York Jets. Loss. Okay, so week 14 is a home game against the Buccaneers. Loss. <laughs> no, no, I did, say, I did say, we'd, I did say we'd win at Tampa, didn't I? So. True, true. Um, <laughs> so week 15, um, the date's actually to be decided according to this um, schedule, but you're on the road to the Carolina Panthers. Loss. Wow, okay. Um, so then week 16... Christmas Eve, 1pm local time, 6pm for those UK fans listening to this podcast, up against the Indianapolis Colts. Win. So then New Year's Eve, so 1pm local time and 6pm UK time, for those wanting to have a little bit of NFL action before they go out for New Year's Eve, is against the Bears in Soldier Field. Win. And then finally, week 18, you're on the road to the New Orleans Saints. Win. Okay, so that means that you are ending the season with a 10-7 and 7 record. Yep. So oh, that oh. has you um, at the moment. So you are our 26th guest and our 25th team we've covered so far. And you are our joint 15th most optimistic fan out of the 25. Joint 15th most optimistic. Wow, you've got some optimistic fans coming here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking around 10-7, and 7, we've got... 10-7 includes um, New Orleans Saints for Jay Lawrence, uh, our Giants fan Tom Morton, Tony Afoki, Denver Broncos fan. Um, and then, you know, you've got the likes of, you know, Jeff Reinbold had the Raiders going 7-9-1. Um, Sam Morgan and Oliver Kent had the Cardinals going 5-6 and six wins. Sam Andrews, our Rams fan who came on last time, he was 6-11. and 11. But On the flip side, you know, Roy Joe Daniels had his Bengals going 13-4. and four. Our Eagles fan Steve had them going 13-4. and four. So it's all, yeah... A few optimistic, like 12 and 5 for Marek Larwood for the Lions. And I do think Shane's Ravens 11, 5 and 1 is probably optimistic. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's um, so far been fairly honest from the fans and not too many, um, what's the word, overly optimistic or overly negative predictions that are, you know, uncalled for. I think a lot of them are, are the right ones, in my opinion. Um, I, I wouldn't say the Falcons for me personally would be 10 and 7. I'd have more than eight, eight win team that could still make the playoffs as a division winner. I don't rate that division highly at all. So I, 
I could see him stalling in division with eight wins, but I, I do feel 10 wins is maybe a bit too many. Well, we'll see. But I think, you know, that we've had two ten, seven and 10 seasons with a pretty disastrous roster. And I think we've improved on offense, we've improved on defense. Our divisional rivals have got weaker, other than the Panthers, who have got stronger. So, um, yeah, I think splitting that division was probably, I don't know, because I don't see really how it goes. And then, obviously, we, you know, our schedule's relatively kind to us. We'll probably lose a few games that I said would win, but we might win a few that I said would lose. So, right now, at this point, before football's kicked properly, um, 10 and 7, I think, is achievable. Yeah, um, and I think with that, you would assume from that that it would get you in playoffs. Uh, most likely he's a division winner, uh, if not at the very least a wild card spot. So if that is the case and you get to the playoffs, how far are you predicting the team to go in the playoffs? Uh, wild card round. <laughs> First round loss. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, it would be a step forward. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I said, nobody expects us to... Um, win the Super Bowl. Very few probably expect us to make the playoffs. Uh, I just want to, at this stage, I just want to see us keep taking steps forward at the moment while we're still in this rebuilding stage. Yeah, I, I think it's all about progress because you're not, you know, I think it would be, it'd be a bit overly optimistic if you were a Fal- any Falcon fan or anyone who's betting the Falcons to make a deep playoff run. But I think, you know, if you can make a return to the playoffs, um, and I'll see anything more as a bonus. Um, so I think, yeah, I think making the playoffs as a wildcard team would present progress for your team. And I think that you can look to build on that for next season and look to um, you know, build around it or build on that defense and and really get and you know get a stranglehold on the division, which right now is really up for grabs. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Fantastic. And that's where we will end the podcast for today. So first of all, once again, thank you, Rob, for coming on to the podcast today. No, that's that's fine. Thank you for thank you for having me. It's always good fun. Yeah, absolutely no problem. And you are the second of our third third and gold team members to come on. We couldn't get Dan, unfortunately. We had Fred on before. Uh, his actual prediction was what's his prediction? His was nine and eight for the Patriots. So um, fairly similar in terms of um, in terms of your 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 guys' predictions. And I can't imagine Dan's would, would have been too far off that for the Buccaneers, even with. Baker Mayfield and Carl Trask as his quarterback. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm surprised with Fred. He normally goes 15 and two every year for the Patriots. <laughs> I think he's. I think the Patriots have been well and truly humble now, especially in that division the way it is. I think. Yeah. I think they'll still get nine wins and, and finish fourth. I think that it's just that good of a division. I can even see him at a stretch winning ten games and making the playoffs. Oh, sorry, I'm missing out in the playoffs as the fourth team in the in the division. I can see it could be it could be that good, but just not good enough compared to the other three. Yeah, well, it's always nice to see, isn't it? The Patriots. Struggling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially for me and you. I mean, obviously, me and you for the, um, I'm not going to say the scoreline, but you know, you know where I'm going with that. So, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, shall we, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I'll try to avoid saying those three numbers. Um, but, yeah, this has been the Across the Pod NFL podcast, Atlanta Falcons season preview. I've been Andy. This has been Rob Monk, and we will see you guys for our next team season preview. See you guys then.